This is Keith G from New York. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. When I was doing my fourth and fifth step, my sponsor really pointed back out to me that that there were things that I should be proud of as well. Because during that period of my sobriety, when I was working through all of my past, I really was always very much focusing in on the negative. As an alcoholic, if I see a big, beautiful white sheet of paper, I'm gonna always look for that little black dot and I'm gonna put all my attention on that. It was helpful to me to have a sponsor that was able to pull me back from some of that. So I think that a healthy balance is, is important as long as you're being honest with yourself about those things. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. My name is Michael Lynn from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm Lee McGinnis from Leesburg, Virginia. As members of the recovery community, we created this podcast as a way to provide experience, strength, and hope through the lens of the Daily Reflection book. Each day, we interview members of the recovery community in the hope that their experience may provide inspiration. We value inclusion and diversity, and we really want to provide a platform for all the voices of recovery. We aren't affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you may hear these mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Hey, before we get to the show, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it'd be great if you could leave us a comment or a rating. This is going to do a couple of things. It's going to help us expand our reach and improve the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Okay, today is July 15th, and I'm in the studio with Keith G. from New York. Welcome to the podcast, Keith. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. So, Keith, we begin the show in the same way every day. We ask the guests to read the Daily Reflection. Would you get us started by reading? Sure. Uh, July 15th, page 205, Pride. For thousands of years, we have been demanding more than our share of security, prestige, and romance. When we seemed to be succeeding, we drank to dream still greater dreams. When we were frustrated, even in part, we drank for oblivion. Never was there enough of what we thought we wanted. In all these strivings, so many of them well-intentioned, our crippling handicap had been our lack of humility. We had lacked the perspective to see that character building and spiritual values had to come first and that material satisfactions were not the purpose of living. Time and again, I approached the seventh step only to fall back and regroup. Something was missing and the impact of the step escaped me. What had I overlooked? A single word read but ignored, the foundation of all the steps, indeed the entire Alcoholics Anonymous program, that word, is humbly. I understood my shortcomings. I constantly put tasks off. I angered easily. I felt too much self-pity. And I thought, why me? Then I remembered, pride goeth before the fall. And I eliminated pride from my life. Thanks for reading that. Keith, before we begin, uh, would you share your sobriety date? My sobriety date is April 7th, 2010. Great. So this is an interesting one. Um, pride is a kind of a tricky topic, especially for folks in recovery. Um, so I want to ask you, what jumps to mind right away when you, when you read this? Well, I always see myself on the page when I read about this particular topic specifically. I mean, back before I got sober and even in early sobriety, um, I think the word arrogant would have been a good word to describe me. And that arrogance primarily came from fear, right? Fear of not being good enough. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I had to overcompensate 
by putting on this thin veneer of civilization and project, you know, this false sense of security. Um, and I clung to that for quite some time. Mm. Yeah. Now, I, I know a little bit of your story. We, we actually worked together at one point. And I know that you've experienced some pretty major accomplishments, like some success in your career. When it comes to pride, you know, I think about accomplishments that we've had. Is it okay to feel pride about those things and, and still be, you know, sober and, and emotionally sober? You know, when I was doing my fourth and fifth step, my sponsor really pointed back out to me that that there were things that I should be proud of as well. Um, because during that period of my sobriety, when I was working through all of my past, I really was always very much focusing in on the negative because as an alcoholic, if I see a big, beautiful white sheet of paper, I'm going to always look for that little black dot and I'm going to put all my attention on that. So I, it was helpful to me to have a sponsor that was able to pull me back from some of that. Mm. Um, so I think that a healthy balance is, is important um, as long as you're being honest with yourself about those things. Do you feel like you're still prideful today? When I think about the seventh step and the sixth step, when I when I share in meetings and we and I go through these steps, I always call them the dandelion steps mm. because you always think you're pulling the whole thing out, but sometimes that stuff goes back. And so for me, it requires a, a vigilance because my natural inclination is to overcompensate, and 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 when I do that, you know, I can negatively impact the people around me. Mm-hmm. And old behavior comes back, even if I don't feel like drinking. And so it becomes something that I need to do to have like emotional sobriety on yeah. top of not being able to put stuff in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So the, the reflection talks about eliminating pride and you mentioned the seventh step. Can you talk a little bit about, about how one might look to eliminate some of those more uh, glaring defects of character around pride? Well, I wish I had a magic bullet or say that, you know, that here's a great approach for me personally, and I can only speak for myself. The reality of the situation for me is that change has always come through pain. Yeah. Um, and and the reality for me is that um, if I'm not focusing in on my prog- you know, my program to the extent that I need to in the way that I have been taught to focus on my program these character defects pop back up and when they pop back up, you know, negative behavior can come in. And so, and then I feel that pain or the shame or remorse, even if it's not relative to actually utilizing alcohol to numb my brain, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been taught and I remember that I'm the problem, you know, and alcohol was the solution for a very long time until it wasn't anymore. Yeah but I'm still the problem. I was the problem. I am the problem and I will always be the problem. And so for me to be able to continue to grow and change in this program, I have to be very, very cautious about like puffing myself up. Mm. Yeah. That's where humbly comes in, right? Absolutely. And, 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 and hum and humility has come to me through pain and adversity. Right. And, and that's an okay thing, mm. right? If you have the tools to be able to manage that and the support 
infrastructure around yourself and sober people to be able to relate to and you go to meetings and and you taking those actions right that's something that will help yeah hey do you, let's go back are you comfortable talking about what was going on in uh, 2010 when you you made a decision to come into recovery yeah i can talk about it um you know, I, on paper, I looked great. You probably thought I looked great back in those days, right? I did, yeah. <laughs> Just like I thought you were too. And, yeah. you know, I had a, a, a wife and three kids and, uh, you know, I had a, a great job and um, and my team loved me. And, you know, it was great going to those bars and hanging out with powerful people. And it was very, but it was very ego driven. And, and um you know, I was one of those people that in the crowded room was very, very lonely because I was very, very much living a very secret life. You know, I was doing things, you know, that were certainly not um, acceptable. And, you know, I, I was having relationships out of my marriage. I was um, really in a, in a, bad place. And I was also a hider. So even when I was getting sober, initially, um, some people didn't believe that I was an alcoholic, they thought I was in a bad marriage, and I was just under stress. And I was like, well, you know, um, I was hiding vodka in the ceiling of my basement. And I don't think regular people do that. Um, and over time, you know, people caught up to what I understood. But the day that I came into the program, you know, I had been in marriage counseling and, you know, I was planning on leaving my marriage at that time. And I had a panic attack. I had never had one before. Um, I was on the Long Island Railroad commuting into the city and I was just standing by the doors. If you've been commuting into the Manhattan, whether it's from Westchester or Long Island, doesn't matter. But the um, and I was just saying to myself, just you have to breathe just breathe. And I didn't walk into my office that day. I just walked around the city for about seven hours. And the marriage counselor I had, I, I'd been seeing said, you know, I'm not quite sure you're an alcoholic, but I think 12 step would help you. And I called up a friend of mine who had gotten sober. And I said, you know, I think I need a meeting. And I think I need a meeting today. And, and my friend brought me to exchange views. And that's where my journey began. And, and what was really remarkable for me was when I listened to the person speaking in the front of the room, you know, talking about how they had, you know, manufactured fights just so they could get out and go to the liquor store, et cetera. I was like, oh, and what was really interesting was that at that time I was starting keeping a journal. And so I, I wrote in that journal on top of all these other problems, I'm also an alcoholic. And I didn't really connect the fact right away that that maybe some of these problems were because I was one. So you went to Exchange Views, a meeting, and uh, and what happened? Well, what happened was is initially I you know I I um I met these really bright, intelligent, beautiful people who had lost everything, who had been to prison, who had killed people accidentally. And I, I came to understand relatively quickly that um, the only thing that separated me from those people who had been to jail, who had killed somebody, there were two things that separated me from them, luck 
and time. And that was it because I had done everything that they had done, everything. And so I got scared and fear worked for me. It really did in the beginning. And so I did the thing that was the hardest thing that I've ever done. And to this day is still very hard for me is I asked for help. I didn't think that there was anyone that was going to help me. I didn't have that kind of family. You know, I, I, you know, if we were talking about my childhood, (laughs) you would understand. But, you know, when people tell me they're an alcoholic, typically I know 90% of what I need to know about you. And the rest is just details. We do meet some amazing people in the rooms. It's just, you know, I'll speak for myself. It's, it's just been incredible. You know, the, the wide variety of backgrounds and just amazing people that I never would have met, let alone spend you know, an hour a day with. It's great. So tell me a little bit about your search to find and and ultimately getting a sponsor. Well, you know, I'm a, I I have the problem that a lot of um, alcoholics have is that I'm a smart guy. And I think that smart guys have a harder time in the program because they really want to question everything. Um, And and I had this in this checklist in my head about how I was going to get a sponsor. And, you know, I was going to kick me dragging my feet on that. And I had a home group in in uh, in the town that I was living in. And uh, this guy, this older gentleman said, so do you have a sponsor yet? And it was really early. I mean, probably less than a month in. And he goes, and I said, no, I don't really have a sponsor. He's like, oh, I'm going to be your sponsor. And what I said was, okay. And, you know, he was really very helpful to me because I I needed help first learning how not to put substances in my body. I mean, I had put something in my body every single day for 25 years. And, you know, I was traveling and getting on planes and, you know, I needed that help. I needed that support in terms of somebody who had been through the steps, who, who I could um, talk about my life with, right? Because I had lived such a very secret life, like, and, and it was very scary to sort of like open up to another man, forget about it, right? But um, it was really very important to me in my sobriety. And, and then I joined a, a men's group with that he introduced me to, and, and that really helped me um, start to change. Yeah, it's so funny that, well, you mentioned being intelligent, and, and that seems to hinder progress in, in recovery. Um, that, that definitely seems to be a thing. But it, there's also like this comorbidity with intelligence, addiction, and maybe it's social awkwardness or just the inability to connect with other with other human beings. I mean, do you experience that also? I I had a very bad childhood, so I I share about this in meetings a lot. My first drug of choice was books because I I could go someplace else, I could be somebody else, and and that's what I I did because I wanted to be anywhere or anyone other than me. Right. And, you know, I had some pretty traumatic experiences in my childhood. And so I was a very much an isolator early on. And I didn't even know how to like relate to other guys. Like when guys would kind of bust each other's chops, like I would just freeze. I didn't know how to relate. And um, in high school, I joined an acting company and that really helped me because I could learn how to pretend to be somebody else. And I could see how the cool guys sat and how the cool guys scratched their, their nose. And, you know, and, and I, I, I created this persona and alcohol was definitely a part of that. I mean, I was a drinker since I was very, very young. Um, it, it was, and I, 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 I lived alcoholically even before I was 
my drinking caught up to the way that my brain worked. I, I was always a, a more guy, you know, whatever it was, I wanted more. And, and I didn't know how to communicate um, unless I was pretending or I wanted something from somebody. But, you know, getting involved in the program and, and, and meeting these sober men, uh, things started to change in terms of how I could communicate um, and, and share more of myself. That's great. So you got a sponsor, you work the steps. Um, how long before you started to experience some changes in your life and, and get some relief? What was interesting was one of these guys, this is a true story. I was in the meeting after a couple of, um, you know, after like maybe a month or so. And, and someone was talking about, well, this is what I was like, at, you know, at, at five months. And this is what I was like this at a year and five years. And I literally stood up in the meeting and said, you guys seem like a bunch of really nice people, but I don't want to know a single one of you. What are you talking about? Five, 10 years. Like I, I thought I was going to come in and get fixed. And then somebody had in my men's group talked about sobriety as a process. And I was like, you know, screw you and your process. Like I'm a smart guy. I had my epiphany, bring on the healing. Let's go. But what I've come to understand it is it is a process and um, I'm still in that process and I hope to remain in that process, you know, because there's always there's always more to do peeling back the onion, whatever you want to call about it, however you want to articulate it. Conceptually, it's the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. We are on a spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. That spiritual journey is one that's centered around growth, you know, as a human being, as a as a as a growing human concern. You know, and I have better tools today to be able to handle some of these things as long as I work them. Very sober guy years. And I've had some years where I'm less sober. That doesn't mean I haven't had a drink, but like my behavior and how I engage with other people. So my program is something that I definitely lean on. And I still do the things that I was taught to do. I still, you know, go to meetings. I still do service. I do all those things because it's part of my process to become who I was supposed to be. Right. I'm still discovering that. I've found that to be true as well. You know, it, it, the program enabled me to live a life free from drugs and alcohol. I, I wake up and I'm, I don't think about drinking and drugging, but that's just like a small piece. And uh, we do get these these promises in our life. And um, I'm curious, you know, you got to a point in your life where you were successful. You had a great job and you were still leveraging solutions that were not helpful, that that likely would have maybe killed you, uh, but certainly, like you said, hindered you from being the person that you were really supposed to be. Were you able to realize and see how the program was able to make you better in all those same areas? Do you feel like it uh, enabled you to be even better than you were before, professionally as well as personally? You know, I would say that in the industry that I was in at the time, there was a certain amount of arrogance that probably was helpful early in my career, right? Certainly, however, you know, I've had to learn how to be able to be as effective without that arrogance. And, and the way that I have tried to do that is by trying to bring out the best in the people around me. And it's not about me. And that's the difference. In the beginning, it was very much about me. And even if it was, I was talking about it in terms of like all the people around me, it was still about me. Mm -hmm. And I try to make it less about me today. And with, uh, I would say some degree of success. <laughs> That's good. Beautiful. 
thinking about the, the the reflection, pride, and your journey, what kind of advice might you offer to somebody who's had a similar path where they've experienced some success and, and some some challenges as well? What kind of advice would you give? I would say that, you know, as alcoholics, we tend to look at the dark side and we tend to beat ourselves up. For those of people who are listening and are trying to get sober or are in the beginning of their journey, you know, you can take some pride in that because you're trying to better yourself. And and that's an accomplishment. Like staying sober, when you're trying to get sober in the beginning and and you haven't had a drink for a, a week or a month, these milestones, the reason that we give out coins in early sobriety is a way for you to celebrate success, right? For something that, quite honestly, before this program, we were pretty much guaranteed to die. So, so think about that in terms of your ability to continue to try and grow and stay sober by not putting something in your body and have some pride about that. What you want to avoid is pride as a crutch, as a, as a mechanism to avoid some of the things that you might not want to see in yourself. So having a balanced view and becoming who you are and understanding that, look, I, I have children. My children are awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm very prideful about my children. There were parts of my, when I was early in sobriety before or before that, things that I have serious regrets about as a parent when I was, before I was getting sober. My kids are wonderful and successful. You know, it's, it's finding that balance, being able to look at both sides of the ledger as they talk about in the program, right? And being honest with yourself. Yeah, it's it's so interesting to see this side of you, Keith. I mean, I you know I, I mentioned we worked together, and you know I had no idea back in the day. I mean, those were pretty wild days. But um, this has been a great discussion. Any final words you want to share with the audience before we wrap? I just want to say thank you for asking me to um, participate in this, and for the people that are struggling out there and trying to get sober. I want to just say the thing that was said to me and I didn't believe it, which was if you really focus in on this, you'll never have to drink again. I didn't believe it, but it's true. Mm. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day.